I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a podcast featuring the experiences of individuals living with or affected by sexually transmitted infections. That is so hard to get out in one breath. <laughs> Today I'm here with my home girl, Kimberly Elise Johnson. And we just met, what, two days ago? <laughs> Yesterday, we talked on the phone yesterday. We set this interview up. We had a listener who reached out and encouraged me to reach out to her um, and have her on the podcast. So thank you to that person who I don't know if she wanted to remain anonymous or not, but we're just going to err on the side of caution. So thank you for helping us get this together. And like I always say, if you guys have people you want me to reach out to or people who may be good fits for the podcast, send them my way. I got a couple of them in the works now. So uh, thanks to you guys for contributing to the podcast. All right, Kimberly, it's all about you now. Let's start with what do you do? Well, hi, everyone. And thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I do life coaching. I do life coaching in the Denver, Colorado area, even though I have clients all over the place, all over the United States, and actually in different countries in the world. I also teach meditation. And over the last few years, a lot of my focus in my life coaching has become sexual shame. So I'm super excited to be having this conversation. I like how you were able to tell us everything about you. And it didn't even include the fact that you have what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I, 12 years ago, um, so in 2006, was diagnosed with HSV2, genital herpes. And what was happening with you around that time in your life? Oh, man. Well, wait, you said 12 um, years ago. How old are you now? So I'm 31 now. Mm-hmm. So I was 18. Got it. Yeah. I was at the very end of being 18 when I got diagnosed. So I was 18. I was in my first semester of college, and I was dating someone who did not share with me that they had herpes. And you know this for a fact, or is this just something that you think? Yeah, because I ended up marrying him. Oh, my God. So did he eventually come out and tell you the truth or what? No, I got a doctor diagnosis. So some, you know, weird stuff started happening around my clitoris. And so I, after I was like, what is going on? Went to the doctor. Um, And as an 18 year old who lives in, who lived at the time in Arkansas, I had pretty much no sexual education. So I went to the doctor, had no idea what was going on. She did a test. She diagnosed me with HSV2 and... Then I called my boyfriend <laughs> at the time. What was his response after you called him? Honestly, he cried. He, he broke down into tears. He huh? broke down into tears. He knew he was two years older than me. Two years uh, older? Yeah, two years older. He knew that he had had it, and it pretty much, he felt so bad. He felt so bad that he didn't have the courage to tell me. He felt so bad. And honestly, at the time, I really was in love with him, so it was easy to forgive him. And we had already been talking about marriage. So I was 18, grew up in the South. Getting married young is very normal. And we had already been talking about marriage. When I found out, my doctor called me because it wasn't a same-day result. So she called me, and I was doing my hair when she called me. And I was straightening it, and I threw my straightener on the wall and shattered it and put a hole in my wall. No. So that was like my initial reaction was pissed, like what? And then called him, his reaction softened me. Granted, that does not mean that I did not have massive anger in years to come. But yeah, that's how, that's how I got diagnosed. How long were you two together at that point in time? Oh man, maybe a year. Okay. Maybe. 
I was just wondering if this was like something that you saw a future with for real or if after you were diagnosed you were like, Oh, we're getting married now, you're stuck. Oh, no, no, no. That's <laughs> not that's not how it went. Okay. But I think unconsciously as an eighteen year old, you know, now being thirty one, I think back and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I was a child. I had no idea what I was doing. And we actually ended up staying married for seven years. So I've been divorced now for about five, but we were married a long time after that. And it wasn't quite like that, but I think unconsciously, right, there's this level of like, oh, well, now we are stuck together, like unconsciously, not really. Not It's not unconscious. It's like subconsciously. Yeah. So yeah. when you were going through this marriage, you guys are together. What's What's happening throughout this marriage? Like, are you guys happy? Are you uh, doing things together? Are you growing together? What? Because you're also growing up. Like you're at 18, you're still a child. You know, even though you're legally an adult, seven years of marriage, I imagine that you guys probably began growing up into yourselves. Yeah, so much happened. It was rough. <laughs> a lot of it was rough. Some of it was really good. Looking back, we were really good adventure partners. We did a lot of adventuring together. We moved to three different states together during that seven years, went through college together me starting my business, him getting his first professional job as an adult, a lot of, you know, growing up, like you said, and so much of our relationship was based, I think, on attraction or this chemical attraction and not logistically what it would be like to create a life with someone. Once we started getting to the nitty gritty, like I'm a very spiritual person. Um, a lot of my life revolves around my spiritual ritual and prayer and meditation and when I started getting deeper and deeper into that as I became older he just was not interested yeah so there was like a lot at the end where it was like a definite parting of ways but as far as herpes go nobody knew it was between me and him I didn't talk about it I didn't even really think about it until unless I had an outbreak honestly mm -hmm. it never even crossed my mind until we started going through a divorce I was angry because the divorce wasn't my initial decision. And so because it wasn't my initial decision, I kind of was in marriage for the long haul. Like I was like, well, this is rough, but I'm willing to go through therapy or I'm willing to grow with this person. And now that it's been five years, I'm like super grateful that he had the intuition to end it. But at first I was angry. I was so angry. I was like, are you kidding me? We're going to get married. You're going to give me herpes and then you're going to leave me. Oh, I was pissed. And it took me a few years, honestly, to get over that anger. It took me a few years to kind of dive in to the gift that herpes has been for me. So you guys were growing apart already, but what was the final straw that led to the divorce? Or at least on his end that made him initiate the divorce? He started a relationship with another woman. Ah, uh, that'll do it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, I, and I honestly don't blame him. You know, I being an adult woman now... I think about the sexual education we had. I think about getting married so young. He was two years older, but that's still not very old. And I think he got curious and he didn't have the communication skills, in my opinion, the emotional intelligence or the communication skills to really say like, these are the things I'm feeling. These are the things I'm experiencing. How can we communicate about that? So it just, and it happened really quick. He started a relationship, and then a few months later, he told me, and it was, like, pretty much done. Were you already kind of checking out as well? Were you surprised by it? 
So I'm going to tell you probably something shocking that spiritually may not be shocking, but on this logical plane that we live in felt shocking at the time. I had just started a business with a woman, same business, life coaching. She was a life coach too. We decided to partner together. Well, there was this huge life coaching conference in New York City. So we were like, okay, let's go to this conference. So we went to the conference. When I returned is when it really ended. And I remember telling her this. We're walking in New York City. So this is probably like two or three days before it like really ended. I was telling her, I was like, you know what? It's really interesting that like, I think this is the very first time in my entire marriage, so seven years, like that I actually think I love him. I think that I'm willing to accept him. And it was this interesting thing. And and spiritually, I get it, right? Because when you really love someone unconditionally, that means that you do whatever is necessary for their well-being, even if that means a breaking of something. It's like a different level of love that isn't the attachment of it. Like, we don't have to be together. I was shocked. I went through all the emotions, the anger, the shock, the sadness, the everything. Um, But I also went through a level of, okay, if that's what you need. It sounds to me like when you went on the retreat, that may have been like the first time that you two were apart and you were able to really kind of come into yourself and have this time where you were just like, okay, I like myself now or I love myself. And you were able to really just let go, like you said, like let go of any harbored resentment that you had because you on that retreat may have learned something new about yourself and just been like, okay, I'm in this place. I like this place I'm in. This is what I'm feeling. And then you come back and it's like, all right, I'm going to make this work. And then bam, get hit by a bus, <laughs> metaphorically, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of brilliant, I think. Because it's like the second that we become attached to something, I think, honestly, it is a spiritual thing for it to break. And I honestly cannot imagine who I would be if that didn't happen. I actually feel deep, deep gratitude to him. I feel deep, deep gratitude because for not only, um, you know, giving me herpes, but also for the divorce, I feel like, whoa, mm-hmm. he, like, it's almost like he spiritually knew stuff that I didn't know. Yeah. Even though he was so logical and like not into that at all. <laughs> yeah, totally. See, a lot of people say herpes was a gift and It's for various reasons, because whether it be a screening mechanism for partners who were more invested in you than someone who would not be as accepting, if it made people change their lifestyles, if it made people be more mindful of themselves, their health, and make them be alone with themselves to learn to like themselves. There's so many different things that herpes does for us that we say it's a gift. There's also the other coin where people say, this is the worst thing ever. I can't get laid. I can't find a partner. No one likes me. I have friends who don't like this. So when you say it's a gift, can you give us your perspective on what that means in your experience? Yeah, totally. I love this question. So I want to be clear that at first I did not feel that way. When I first got divorced, I will be quite honest, I kind of lost it trying to date, I made many mistakes, like where I'm in bed with someone naked and then like blurting it out because I was so terrified. And then because of how I was handling it, I was getting that mirrored back to me. I felt very unworthy. I had many people tell me that they didn't want to date me or that they didn't even want to pursue anything with me because of herpes. 
I had a lot of rejection in the beginning and it was because I was rejecting myself and I didn't see that until I started doing deeper work around it. So through years, probably two and a half good years of me making mistakes continuously, like doing deep spiritual inner work, making another mistake, doing more work, making another mistake, you know, like fail, success, fail, success, fail, success over and over again. I remember, and I was telling you this on the phone and I'll just share it with the audience. Like there was a moment when I was sitting in my bathroom, I was staring at myself in the mirror and I had been for probably six months to a year, been like starting to really talk in my inner circle to the people that I love the most, that I had herpes. I told my parents, um, I started like really telling people and there was like a level of acceptance seeping in a level of self love seeping in a level of, Whoa, like people aren't responding how I thought they would respond, like seeping, seeping in. And I was sitting in my bathroom, I was staring myself in the mirror and I just had this moment, like hit me. And I was like, I am going to go public with this because I, I kind of live a public life. I have a public job. I'm a life coach in a city. Um, I have a podcast. I do speaking, you know, I just have a very public life. And I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go public with this because not one person should ever have to suffer how I've suffered. Yeah. If everyone had that mindset, no one would suffer for as long as they do. Because for you, you went through uh, five or seven years. It was seven years of a marriage. So, seven. So seven years of a marriage that in the beginning it was like love or whatever. But then immediately after you had to go through your trial and error and you learned from that. The next yeah. question I really want to know is we often hear people say you need to work on yourself. For me, what that looked like was asking the hard questions, feeling the emotion that came with that, and then continuing to go deeper. So going deeper for me was asking those questions and then answering those questions. It all revolved around behaviors. Why am I experiencing this? This is what's happening around me. What am I able to say I'm responsible for and then begin to journal and just ask why when I come up with an answer continue to ask why until I got to the core of the emotion and then it would always tie back to some past experience that I had to let go of so what does working on yourself look like for you yeah well when I first got divorced I really didn't like myself as a person I didn't like how I was handling having herpes when I first got divorced I was using alcohol as kind of this like coping mechanism and there just got to this point where I was like wow I'm being really destructive I need to do something so I actually hired help um, I hired a spiritual shaman I hired her and I worked with her this is literally what I did for one entire year 12 months I gave myself one year and I just said, I'm going to invest in this. So for one year, once a week, I got a massage to release the ways that I had been holding the trauma in my body. And I went to this spiritual shaman. I did that for one year, every single week. And it was expensive. But honestly, it completely changed everything. To go back, like um, the reason I call herpes a gift is it has made me a more authentic person. Before this, I was more worried about being liked. I was more worried about what people were thinking about me. And herpes has really made me a more honest person, a more genuine person. It has made me care about my body and my life in a completely different way that I think anything else could have done. 
and you know, a lot of people are like, yeah, you know, I have tattoos too. And people make comments about like tattoos are permanent. And I think about, I'm like, herpes is permanent. You know, in spirituality, they call it a permanent limitation. So when people are gifted permanent limitations in the spiritual realm, like in spiritual conversation, um, a permanent limitation is your biggest growth point because it's something that you can't run away from. It's something that happens that is permanent and it actually elevates spiritual growth. If you turn toward it and not turn away from it and try to avoid it or try to distract from it or try to numb from it. But if you have the courage and it takes courage, I think that it takes courage to actually look at yourself. But if you turn toward whatever that permanent limitation is, it will exponentially grow your spirit. It'll grow who you are. It'll help you become a better person. It'll help you elevate whatever you want to elevate. So for anyone who's listening who may not be spiritual or may not believe in a higher power, we can interchangeably use emotion with spirituality here. So you may not think that the spirituality element is real, and I understand and respect that. So we can just tie it into emotions. The emotions are real. Nobody can deny that. So everything that you're saying here, when we talk about fear and your spiritual freedom from fear, we're also talking about your emotional freedom from that. Totally. Or like nature, whatever your version is, whatever connects you to like yourself, to something else, like, yeah, all interchangeable. Got it. Okay. So that's what the work looked like for you and being able to face those fears. I agree with you on that. And when you say herpes grounded you, or I I don't know if that was the word that you used, but when you were saying what you were saying, I was thinking, yeah, "Yeah." it kind of brought me back to earth because we go through life even as kids we think we're invincible nothing can ruin us you know we're we're unstoppable we're jumping off of high things and breaking bones and stuff taking risks and then something comes along that shows us oh we're not invincible all right it's a humbling thing it's a gift of like you said it made you more authentic and more honest and i think anyone who's faced their fear from a spiritual or emotional aspect has definitely they're able to agree with that I think that anyone who's been there can agree with that statement because it does make you more honest. It makes you more so cherish what's real. And part of that is yourself. Self-care has become important for me. Self-acceptance has become important and more of who a person is, not what they do, who they hang out with, but who they are in the world is more important to me before bringing someone into my space than what they have or what they have accomplished. Speaking from personal experience, I can 100% agree with you on this. Mm. I do think it's like an onion. I think that we are ignorant self, which we all, I think, have ignorance of some sort, of some, you know, like a just a not knowing. And it is like an onion. Like whenever I got herpes and really had to deal with it after my divorce, it was the layering of like, oh, this body doesn't make me worthy. Oh, having herpes doesn't make me unworthy or worthy you know it's like I had to look deeper I had to look deeper and really look for goodness that was not based on anything of this world and it changed everything for me there is something about humans and our human nature and our innate goodness that we very easily can start thinking that our worthiness is what we're doing in life like how successful we are if we like have an STD or we don't or what we look like or like all of these outer things that we're actually taught especially in western society that some in some way create our value or create our worth and so when something like this kind of hits you and you get a diagnosis like this it doesn't surprise me that so many people that hire me 
feel worthless, feel dirty, feel like their life will never go on. And it's because we are taught in this society that the outer world, what we have, how we look, defines our worth and defines how good enough we are. And I think it's a huge gift and offering whenever you are placed in a position where you actually have to look beyond that. You have to say, nope, this isn't actually my worth. Nope, this isn't actually define my value. What does then? And that's like when you said you were asking yourself big questions, that's a question I really have had to grapple with. Okay, like, so if I'm not dirty, if I'm not unworthy because I have herpes now, then what makes me worthy? What makes me good enough? You know, I think the answer is hard to answer in words because it's more like a soul feeling of like, just like if I look at you, like when I look at you, Courtney, like, so people may not know, but we're doing video chat right now, but I can look at you and I can see your goodness. You look at other humans and you begin to, when you find it in yourself, it ripples out to everything. And it's really cool. It's like we can stop judging people on these very surface things because we've stopped judging ourselves on these very surface things. Yeah, it's just like you said earlier, you know, when you were giving, when you were disclosing, people were mirroring what you were putting out because you rejected yourself, others rejected you. So it's the same thing. Like when you kind of come to the realization that we all kind of come from the same source of whatever there yeah. is like the thing that we when we go back to the place where there are no five senses, there's still something there. If you close your eyes, cover your ears, cover your nose, you still feel that sense of connection with people. Mm. And whether it be yes. spiritual or emotional, whatever you believe in, like that one place where this connection exists, we all stem from. And when you begin to look at people that way, you start to just see a little bit of yourself in every person around you. So when you have conversations with people and you see like different emotions in them or different levels of spirituality in them, it's just being mirrored back at you as something that you can address within yourself so that you can help the world around you address as well. That's kind of one of the ways that I look at this podcast. Like I said, it took me five, six years before I even stumbled across positive singles. And then after that, I was introduced to the local support groups. And it's like, there's so many of us out here that feel what I went through, what I felt. This is crazy. <laughs> and yes. so now it's like this. This helps me. The more of this I do, the less of other shit I'm doing, like any possible destructive behavior or uh, any negative stuff. Yeah. So doing this really just helps me with not doing Things that keep me away from what I would consider to be my purpose. You know, I find this to be very valuable to me. And I know that it's a value to other people because I get the private messages here and there. I can see that people are finding the podcast, connecting to the resources that they need, local communities, interest groups, dating groups, and really able to live their lives. Yeah, I'm so happy that you're doing this because I'm doing my own version. And I think that the more people that really start going public and start just putting it out there, like creating some sort of vision of it so people can see other people. Some of that stigma. Yeah, will, it's it's about lessen. it'll stop yeah. being so sharp. It's really about being a lighthouse. I use this analogy a lot, you know, putting yourself out there to where people who may need you can access you. And yes. then you can just point them in the direction to where they need to go. So the more of us who are who allow ourselves to be available, the more people who 
can't find these resources are able to reach out and be like, this is what I'm dealing with. I'm in a marriage I don't want to be in. And we can cut that seven years short, whatever the case may be. Everyone has their own personal story, but it's on us to really just be there. So the people who can be out there, just do it. You know, just if you can do it, if you feel like you can't, you know, then that's fine. But still just allow yourself to be there for people who may come out to you because you really never know. And we talked about this over the phone. When we came out, we found out a bunch of our close friends or people who were in our circles were reaching out to us because they also had herpes. Yeah. So we've been talking for a while now, especially about me. I said I was going to make this about you, but I always end up rambling at some point. So this looks like a really good place for us to close out, wrap it up. So what are you doing now? Are you dating? What's work like? I mean, we know you're a life coach, so I want to know how people can find you as well. Yeah, I am dating an amazing man who doesn't have herpes. And we have the sweetest little relationship. He's so accepting and so loving. It's awesome. And we were friends before. He knew I had herpes and he still pursued me. That's what happens when you become aware of who you are and you can bring in the kinds of people who like you for you. Yeah. Honestly, once I totally accepted it for myself, men were like, we don't care. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. I don't either. Um, <laughs> And I'm actually, I'm in the process of finishing my first book. It's called Dating with Herpes. I'm so excited about it. The tagline is ending shame so you can start living. And I have made it into a five-part YouTube video series because I had this realization of like, whoa, if I die tomorrow, I want this information to be in the world now. So I took about maybe four weeks and I created a five part YouTube video series. So it's just called dating with herpes workshop. You can look it up under my name, Kimberly Elise Johnson, and it's all on YouTube. It's all for free. And it's like the massive juiciness of my book put into YouTube. I also am seeing clients, anybody who is really, really struggling and needs support. I see clients one-on-one and it's awesome. I love this work. I feel, I feel honored that people want to share their experience and their life. And I feel honored that people feel safe enough to explore the gift that herpes could be for them as well. I do have a podcast, but my podcast is less about sexuality. There's more to us all than just the stuff around herpes and sex. So I would love to know what else you're doing. So the podcast is called Navigating the Modern World. It's on any um, podcast platform. And it's honestly just exactly what the name is. It's how to navigate challenges that arise in your life so i have podcasts on dating i have podcasts on communication i have podcasts on hate i have podcasts on immigration i have podcasts on all the things in life that are challenging that may arise and how i have handled them and tools and tips of how to deal powerfully with them awesome now is there anything else that you want to leave us with yeah anybody who's listening i want to just say a few things. One, you're going to have great sex again. That's something you don't have to worry about. I promise. Call me on it. If you are on your deathbed and you haven't had good sex yet, call me. Let's fix that. So you're, you're not a sex worker. Let's make no. that clear now. <laughs> She's not going to yeah, physically I'm, come and fix I'm that. <laughs> I'm not going to fix it personally. I want to just offer to people, keep going. If you keep listening to this podcast, if you keep seeking out support, if you're deep in it, hire somebody that does the type of work I do or that is a counselor or therapist or anyone. Seek help because there is light in this. 
just know how worthy you are. It has nothing to do with a sore on your vagina or your penis. It has nothing to do with any disease you might ever get. It has nothing to do with any virus you might ever get in this lifetime. You are completely whole and complete in this moment, just as you are. I hope that you can get even a glimpse of that from this episode and any other episode that Courtney is amazingly putting out into the world. You just totally created the birth of people ending us on a positive note. I'm going to make every guest going forward leave us with something along those lines. And I think this might be the best one (laughs) because you're going to have great sex again. I promise you. I'll call me if you're not. (laughs) I have to leave that in here. I have to leave that. Oh my God. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your time, Kimberly. And how can people find you? The best way to find me is probably KimberlyCoaching.com. I have a contact form page if you have questions or if you just want to say, hey, what's up? I'm struggling too. Like, let me struggle with you. Let me hold the space with you. KimberlyCoaching.com. You can also find me on Navigating the Modern World on iTunes. You know, I have an Instagram. That's probably the best way if you just want to like see daily stuff of mine. Um, it's just my name, Kimberly Elise Johnson. That's my Instagram handle. But yeah, email me, get on my website, contact me because you don't have to work with me to be in contact with me. I want to have a community around this conversation. So please know that I'm super available. Anybody that writes me on my website, I respond really quickly. And that's a great way to get in contact with me. Perfect. All right, everyone, this concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. If you like this episode, please like, rate, review, share this podcast, and most importantly, subscribe to it. Um, We're helping a lot of people get connected to local communities and support groups and dating interest groups. Things that are really helpful to me when I was first diagnosed that weren't available until five years of me having to deal with this on my own. The quickest path to recovery is just surrounding yourself with (laughs) positive people. (laughs) I didn't do that on purpose, I promise. But as I was saying it, I caught it. But uh, continue to do so. You know, evaluate the relationships that are around you and dive deeper into them. You know, lean on your support system. You have people around you who may be struggling with the same thing and you just don't know it because you haven't put yourself out there. You haven't given them permission to share their challenges with you. So, I encourage everybody to do that. Just make sure to be there. Just like on the episode 41, I just talk about how something positive is a lighthouse. Just be there, just like a lighthouse would be. Till next time, stay positive.